Welcome to the Millerville Community Church podcast of our Sunday morning sermon series where the Word of God is always the focus of our hearts and prayers. MCC is a non-denominational country-style church, just a short 20-minute drive from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. This live recording is made possible by the generous donation and support of our subscribers. If you would like to join the growing community of seekers and believers who support MCC podcasts, just go to our website, www.millervillechurch.org, and you can make your online donation anytime. And now, here is a message from Sunday morning at MCC. We're continuing our uh, study in the book of 1 Corinthians, and uh, we're picking it up in chapter 1, and we're going to be reading verses 18 through to the end of the chapter. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to get them out and to get ready to mark them up as we go through this section. It's important for you to have your own Bible and to to read it for yourself within your Word. And uh, that's a part of what we're doing here. When you uh, read them on the screen, uh, you, you're disengaging from what the Spirit is doing and you're using a different part of your brain. When you read it out of your own Bible, you're coming out a different part of your brain. So I'm playing brain games with you this morning. So it's, it's all right. Um, you, you can do this. It, it's okay. We'll take the training wheels off and we're all right. So um, we're looking at uh, 1 Corinthians, and we're looking at this idea that basically Jesus is the light of the world. He is the illumination. He lights up the world and is the key to understanding all things in our lives. And as we look at this passage, we're going to discover how central and how important that is. Who do you uh, turn to for good information? Who do you trust? Do you, are you a Googler? Or you a Yahooer? <laughs> do you just turn to your spouse and ask what they think? I doubt you do that. <laughs> librarians, you go to the librarians. Librarians know everything. And if they don't know it, they know where it is, <laughs> wherever you can find it. It's much better than Google because you don't monitor our books, do you? Well, no, wait a minute, you might. You phone Beth, and Beth tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. And when election comes around, we all call Arnie. Arnie, who should I vote for? Because he'll set you straight. He set me straight a few times already. So, But we, we are always looking for trusted sources. And uh, have you found it more and more difficult to find a trusted source of information? Because information has gone from information to uh, propaganda to sales and everything else, and there's always an agenda behind everything. It's difficult to know what to trust, and through all our, our lives, we try to develop discernment so that I don't buy something I don't need, so I don't buy the most expensive car on the lot or, or that extra warranty I'll never use when I buy that refrigerator. Well, you really ought to because refrigerators don't last like they used to. But so we, we try to figure out how do I discern whether I'm being conned or whether I'm not being conned? Is this slighted or is it, is it real? How do I know what's really going on? And most of us like to fall on a thing called reason to figure that all out. 
And so we, we rationalize, we gather as much information we can, we compare notes, we do comparative studies, and we hope that reason will do that. We hope to use reason, but in reality, most of us use our feelings. Most of us just go with what feels right, an intuitive leap. Whether you're male or female, most people in our society just says, well, this seems right to me, so it's right for me, and because it just feels right for me. And because uh, most of us are in that boat, we're easily led astray, because I don't have to make a rational argument, all I have to do is appeal to your feelings. A few of us, very few of us, I name them a few on one hand that I've ever met, are just strong-willed people. And uh, we just know we're right. And everybody else is wrong. There's so few, I don't know anyone in this room like this, <laughs> where you just know you're right. And obviously everybody else is wrong. And if they would just listen to you, they would be wiser for all of that. Despite all of that, I want to suggest that those three things are the probably not good foundations on which to know whether something is real or true, because all those things can lead you astray. Your reason, your emotions, and your will, all of those are shaky foundations on which to build your life and by which to make major decisions, even minor decisions in your life. I want to introduce to you a much better way to do it a way that has stood the test of time, has lasted uh, through many hardships in the world, through generations and many cultures that people have found to have never failed. And it is one of the most important things by which we understand or illuminate, we come to comprehend what is real, what is true, and what I can build on. And it is the cross of Jesus Christ. And I'll explain to you how a cross can be the marker by which you judge all things as we get into the scripture. It is the cross of Jesus Christ. Here we go, and we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're starting at verse 18. For the word, the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever. I will just simply set aside. There's a, a warning in this passage and a, a fantastic truth. He begins with the word of the cross. The word of the cross is what we teach about the cross and what it is. There have been many crosses throughout history and the many thieves and rebellious people have died on those cross, but we're talking about one cross, the cross of Jesus Christ, upon which he died and why he died there and what he did afterwards. For it was the Son of God that died upon the cross for the sins of the world, to bear the cross on that cross, the sins of everyone, so that he could make it possible for everyone to be forgiven who would receive that by faith in Jesus Christ. It stands before us, this historical event marked by history known all over the world. There's hardly, you can't go anywhere on earth where they haven't heard of Christ 
and the cross. Some are angry about it, some rejoice about it, some don't think much about it, but it's there. It's known all over the face of the earth. This cross is a marker in history. It is a major changing point. It is a place by which you get your bearings. You ever get lost? We, we announced that uh, the baseball game was going to be on Saturday over there, but it's not over there, it's over there. <laughs> you, you ever see anyone do that? Once you walk into a building, you don't know where north, south, east, west is, and you're completely lost. I, I have that problem with my wife. <laughs> She's a farm girl, and she, she can go anywhere outside and know exactly where she is. But once I put her in a mall or a building, she's completely lost. She doesn't know where the sun is. She can't feel the wind anymore. She doesn't know where she is anymore. And uh, I'll say it's this direction. We'll just go there and we'll be all right. The markers that we need in life tells us where we are and what it's all about. And it gives us a sense of what is real and what is true. The marker that was put down in history was the cross of Jesus Christ. It tells us what is real, what is true, what we can believe and what we cannot believe. And it's how we know whether we're being fooled or lied to or whether it's the truth. It is the cross of Jesus Christ. This teaching about who Jesus is and why he died on that cross and what he did there is what it's all about. But this very teaching, before I even get into it, it sounds like foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. When the Jews uh, struggled with this, they wondered about this cross of Christ. They wondered if it was possible what was taking place, if this is the way God works. And maybe you can identify with them. The Jewish people had been suffering for some time under Roman rule. They knew exactly what they needed. They need deliverance from Roman rule. And they need to be able to govern themselves. Because everything goes better when the Jewish people govern themselves, right? We have a wonderful pattern in the Old Testament. They never mess up, right? If we could just do it ourselves, everything would work out just fine. If we could, God would just set us free. So they were looking for a Messiah, but they weren't just looking for any Messiah predicted by Isaiah and the prophets of the Old Testament. They were looking for a Messiah who would specifically lead a revolt against the Romans, overthrow them, and usher in the new golden age that was better than King David's. And that's what they were looking for. And when Christ came along, they had high hopes he would be the guy. He looked tough enough, he looked strong enough, he could do it. He had miracles and powers and angels with him. Surely he could throw over the power of God, the power of God to throw over the Romans. And that's what they were looking for. They were looking signs of a strong man that could solve all their problems. There are a lot of people who want to believe in Jesus Christ, but the cross was the exact opposite of what the Jews were looking for, and it may be the exact opposite of some of us in this room are looking for. We're also looking for someone who will come in and fix things, set up a new government, get rid of the old one, because God knows if we can just replace one politician with another, everything works out right. It'll solve all our problems. If we could just be free to do whatever we want, Lord knows we always make the right decisions, right? And do the right things. 
If I could just be delivered, if I could just escape the trap I'm in, if I no longer have to bear it all, it would be wonderful. But that's not what the cross is. That isn't what Christ came to do. And what the cross tells us is that idea, it's foolishness. It's not wisdom. It's a fool's error. Christ didn't come to deliver you. He came to bear it. And there's a whole lot of difference between deliverance and bearing. In the bearing of the cross, he delivers and he says, but to us who are being saved, are you being saved? Some of you uh, will give me a testimony on such and such a day. I was saved from my sins. Hallelujah. But are you still being saved? Life is a journey. There are things threatening you all the time. There are right now things in your body that would like to kill you. Did you know that? (laughs) And eventually it will win. I've been a pastor around long enough, and we heard it this morning, that mortality rate around humans is 100%. Everyone is destined to die. The scripture tells us that. And all of us must bear things. As you get older, you will realize, despite all the complaining that you did in your teenage years, did any of you complain in your teenage years about how the world is unfair? Did you ever do that? It's just not fair that I can't. And you thought, well, when I get older, things will be fair, right? But if you are like me and you're passing 60 and quickly moving into the older years, you realize life is getting less and less fair by the minute, isn't it? Right? It's not fair. What did I do to deserve this? I'll tell you what you deserve this. You were born. Boom. That's it. You're like every other human being on the face of the earth. You have to bear a lot more things as you go along. And as hard as it is, it isn't the least of these things that you're going to have to bear in your life. You're going to have to bear a lot more things. And bearing things are a great turmoil, and yet I find myself being saved One of the things we see in the scriptures is it's not, the the Lord isn't about being an escape. He's about going through and bearing. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't escape the fiery furnace. They found Christ in the furnace. The uh, Israeli people didn't find uh, just the, uh, the Egyptian armies and Pharaoh just disappeared. They had to pass through a dangerous parting of the Red Seas and safely going on the other side when death was on both sides of them. And David probably was inspired by that when he said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. It's about not escaping. It's about going through and finding yourself surviving on the other end. And you're saying, I don't know how that happened other than the grace of God. When you get to heaven, you don't get rewards for escape. You get rewards for bearing. Did you know that? If God delivered you from everything and never allowed anything hard or difficult or painful in your life, what credit is that to you? 
that you did not, as Christ said, if you're a follower of me, pick up your cross and follow me. In Christ, I can bear all things, know all things, endure all things for the glory of God. For I am being saved. It is the power of God that sustains me every day. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. Now here's a warning to all of you wise people here. There is a destruction that is coming. God does not like false idols. He does not like anything that stands in opposition to him. And if there is a concept or an idea that stands against the cross of Christ, Christ is going to bring it down. I'm not going to bring it down. You're not going to bring it down. God will destroy the wisdom of the wise because he wants no barrier between you and the cross of Jesus Christ to understand what the Lord did there. And the cleverness of the clever, I would just simply set aside. He is not going to let anything come between you. That's why we seize every idea of philosophy or science and we say, what is that compared to the cross of Christ? Verse 20 says, where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. You can try to be as wise as you want to be. When I was in college, I remembered all my Sunday school lessons, and I wasn't doing so well in Bible college, so I asked the Lord for wisdom, and I sought wisdom. I thought, well, Solomon got rich with wisdom. Maybe I could too, and maybe God could make me wise. And God granted me wisdom, but I had to realize what a fool I was before I could receive it. And even now, I often feel foolish compared to the wisdom of God. Jesus, uh, Paul is describing here in the book of Corinthians that God is making foolish the wisdom of this world. For since in this wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. When we rely on our own reasoning, you can't come to know God. I've been to uh, school, I've been to academia, I've got my master's degree, I was even in a doctorate program before I realized none of this was going to help me to know God. There is a difference, did you know, between knowing about someone and knowing someone. And I've discovered this amongst us, is that when I know something about you, it's usually gossip. <laughs> Probably nowhere's near reality. But when I actually sit down across from a table and have a meal with you and we talk, I get to know you and I realize everything I thought I knew about you was completely wrong. And the gossip is off track. You're actually crazier than everyone says you are. <laughs> but it's good to know someone. But even in sharing a meal, I don't really know you. What I found that when I really get to know someone is when someone journeys with me through a very difficult moment in my life. Do you know what I'm talking about? There is a friend that is closer to the brother, the brother to me than a brother, the scripture says. It's the person that when things are not going so well, when things are dark, when there are no answers and all I need is the presence of someone that says, I care, I love, I'm with you. 
And I'm not here to rescue you. I'm not here to solve your problems. I'm just going with you, and I'm not going anywhere. That is a friend that's closer than a brother. And they get to know me at my lowest points. And if they know me so well and care for me at that point, then it really doesn't matter after that. They have gained my trust. I know who they are. They know who I am. And we do it for each other. It's what we call the brother in arms. Do you have a friend like that? Do you have a brother or a sister who does that for you? Do you have a spouse that does for that for you? Are there children in your life that do that for you, that stand with you? I want you to know the cross of Christ says Jesus is that one for you. He will bear it with you no matter what. He will not leave nor forsake. He will walk through anything with you. And he will come through on the other side. And you will know him and he will know you intimately because of the crucible that you have passed through. There is no wisdom in this world that can match that kind of understanding. There are scientists and they can invent a device by which you can talk to someone on the other side of the world. You can even see their face and dialogue with them. And if you want to know about God, you can type in the word God and uh, know about him, and it'll bring up a lot of theological essays and doctorates for you to read. It'll bring up the Dead Sea Scrolls and everything else for you to consider. And despite all that, it cannot connect you to God. You can know about something, and that doesn't mean you connect it to it, and it's a relationship you have. Only Jesus Christ and the cross can connect you to God, where he becomes more than a friend. He becomes a brother by which we bear the burdens of the world together. It was God's well-pleased through the foolishness of this message to preach to save those who believe. And what I'm doing right now, if you didn't catch on, is preaching. I'm a preacher, and I'm preaching. Do you know what preaching is? And everyone say the one thing nobody wants in their life, someone to preach at them. And that's what I do for a living. So this is a little tough. I'm a preacher. But if you look it up in, script, in uh, the dictionary, preaching is simply to proclaim or to tell others what God has said, not what I have said. I'm not here to tell you my opinions. I'm not here to tell you what I think, what I feel, and what I want. I'm here to tell you what God has said what the cross has declared at the center of history and of time, and what Jesus is offering you this very day. This is the proclamation we make, and we try to make it as faithfully and carefully as we can, for it is God's good will for you to know his will, and not just to know about God, but to know God through Jesus Christ. You can experience him and know him in your heart. For indeed, the Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. And usually most of us are one of the two. It was the Jews who were always looking for deliverance from the Romans and so on and signs that you had the ability to do it and they would vote for you and follow you into battle as long as they got one that they wanted, which was deliverance and the exit sign. They weren't looking for a Christ who was going to bear the sins of the world and die for the Romans and not just for the Jews. 
And then the Greeks come along, and some of us are very Greek, and we're searching for wisdom because we believe if we could just get more information that we could all figure it out, that it's a rational problem that could be solved by reason, and that uh, we can put our scientific minds together and work it all out. And yet Christ came along and he says, it's not for the Jews or for the Greeks, for science or for wisdom. It is Christ crucified that we preach. To the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Gentiles, foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than man. The power of the cross says that all things can be born. And it also says that despite us having periods, God doesn't have a period. Because when Jesus Christ died on the cross, that was not the end of the story. Did you know that? The story goes on. The doctor might say you have cancer, period. The government might have put you and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren in debt, period. You might have an incurable disease, You might be all alone and no one talks to you, period, and that's your reality. But with God and with the cross, there is no period. There's enduring until chapter 2 comes along. The next part of the story. For we have this hope in Christ. I have uh, discovered in my old age one of the greatest secrets in life, old age. Some of you laugh at me. Oh, you're not old. I have discovered, though, from the wisdom of God, that one of the most and greatest secrets of life is not being clever or wise or lucky. It's enduring, not bailing out. Hang in there and see it through. Or as you might say, cowboy up. Right? Get on with it. And in my own strength, I find that very difficult to do. But in Christ, I find myself doing it again and again and again. For I have this hope that lives within me through the cross of Christ. Christ, the power of God the wisdom of God, but the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. I have found God more wise and more strong and more powerful in my life, even when he isn't trying. Without any effort at all, he moves mountains, he overcomes things that I thought were impossible to overcome, and the greatest challenge he ever has ever faced in God's life was changing my mind. And he's been able to do that. Change my soul and who I am as I lean on him for more and more. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of this world to shame things that were strong. 
Jesus Christ, through God sending him, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, chose a cross to dispel the wrong thinking of humanity, both Romans and Jews and Greeks. Because who had ever thought that dying upon a cross would be the solution to everything? That sacrifice and bearing it and trusting God for a better result on the other end with the resurrection was the answer to all things. That his death upon the cross would not just eliminate the enemy, but change the enemy, rescue the enemy, and make them my brother in the Lord. God is in the redeeming and conversion. He isn't in the removing and the destroying. In this age, until he returns, he is looking for us to be transformed by the work of the cross. It is the cross that Romans used to put down dissidents. It was the cross that the Jews used to silence a false prophet. But it was the cross that God used to show the love of God, the grace of God, and the amazing grace of God in our life. God has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. Or any of you foolish, you could be chosen. He has chosen the weak things of the worst world. Have any of you felt weak, incapable? You might be chosen. (laughs) To shame those things which are strong. I find this again and again, that God is trying to reveal who he is so that people will receive him and know him relationally so that they can be saved and redeemed. It is knowing God rather than knowing about him through Jesus Christ that we find the grace that we are looking for. It is the power of God to transform that makes everything possible. I have found that there is uh, foolishness in the world. One of them is called the power of positive thinking. Have you ever heard of that? I would just overcome it by just being ultimately positive about how everything is. You could do that, but that is foolishness, and it's delusional thinking. What I'd rather go by is amazing grace rather than the power of positive thinking. I look at just how wicked and evil and how terrible it really is, and then believe that God has the grace to bring me through whatever that might be. And he has, he will, and he will continue to do so. I want you to know that whatever struggles you have faced in your life, you are not the first nor are you the last. There have people who have been in your place before, and there will be more that are coming. And I want you to know that over the last 2,000 years, by the power of the cross and the gospel of Jesus Christ, that millions have discovered that it was the grace of Jesus that could bring them through and to rejoice on the other side. It was by the power of cross that martyrs were in the Roman amphitheater and still sung hymns and claimed the scriptures and believed in Jesus Christ even while they died and were fed to the lions. Peter was nailed upside down on the cross and still believed on the cross of Christ more than the pain he was suffering. Paul endured uh, being stoned and rejected and persecuted in so many ways, eventually jailed by the Romans and was killed for his faith, 
but he believed in the power of this cross that he's writing about in Corinthians. There are brothers and sisters right now in lands all over the world where the gospel is not allowed, that people hate the Bible, hate the cross, and hate the Christians, and they are being persecuted, and some are dying this very day for the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are bearing the cross that they have been given. They are brave and courageous. It tells us in Revelations that there is a, a before the throne of God a great altar. And uh, under that altar, in the front row seats, there are the martyrs that have given their lives for Jesus Christ. In that front row, those who have borne everything, even to the point of death, are celebrated in heaven as being faithful beyond all measure, for they are known by God for their faithfulness. I don't know what the Lord has you to bear, but it is in the bearing, in the enduring, that you discover something better than what you're praying for. Something better than what you're praying for. The world despises God and has chosen the things that are not. God has nullified the things that are so that no man may boast before God. And here's the great contest before us. People want to boast about what happened. If you prayed and said, Lord, I want to win a million dollars, and I'll give 10% to Millerville Community Church, which you can. And that's all right, I'll, we'll take it. And, uh, and then you get your million dollars, and uh, you give your 10%, then you stand up in front of the church and give your testimony and say, I prayed, and God answered. And I, I, I had the faith, and God did it. Aren't I great that I prayed and I had the faith? That's not much of a testimony, I'm sorry. If that's what you're working on, that's not really working. But if you give instead an amazing grace testimony where God gets the credit and you don't, that matters. I was low. I had no hope. I didn't know what to do. I called out to God for help, and I didn't have a whole lot of help or faith that he would help. But somehow, despite me not deserving it in any way, God showed up. God delivered me. And it wasn't because of anything I did. And if he could do that for me, he could do that for you. Now, that's a different kind of testimony, isn't it? That's the testimony of someone who endures who just holds on. Sometimes faith is just a death grip and not letting go of the cross of Christ above all things so that no man may boast before God. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that just as it is written, let him who boasts boast in the Lord. We want to proclaim Jesus Christ, and we do that by sharing the cross of Christ, because most people don't understand what the cross is all about. It's about sacrifice, giving up one's rights and, and uh, power and authority. It's about bearing the sins of others. It's about love. It's about faith and the hope in Father God to make everything right while everything's going wrong. Here's the wonder of the cross. The wonder of the cross is, is no matter what it is, God can take an ugly, stinky, sinful thing 
and transferred it into a holy, sacred thing. The cross is an ugly, terrible method of capital punishment. It's an instrument of death in the hands of the Romans. But when Christ shed his blood on it willingly and was resurrected again, the cross has now become a symbol of hope, of life, of forgiveness, of redemption, of amazing grace. If God can do that with that terrible instrument of terror and turn it into a great instrument of joy and inspiration, what could he do with your ugly, stinky, sinful self? He isn't trying to remove it or escape it. He wants to transform it. This is the wisdom of God. He wants to take the prisoner and set them free, the captive. He wants to give sight to the blind and understanding, but it isn't like anything you've ever known. I've walked with the Lord a few years now, and I'm still waking up. I'm still being saved. I'm still coming into the understanding. Because the more I walk with the Lord, the more I realize there's a lot I don't know. But I do understand what I need to know. He is my friend. He walks with me. He's with me through all things. And because he's there, I don't care what's coming. I will be able to take it and to bear it. And even though he were to kill me, still will I trust the Lord and put my faith in him. That's how trustworthy I find Jesus Christ. Do you? Is he your Lord and Savior as well? Do you trust him that much? It says in the last day that Jesus Christ will be standing there and will gather like sheep and goats and he will separate the goats from the sheep and he will say to those that are his, he says, I know you and we will know him because he was there. And to the others he'll say, I don't know you. And they'll say, but we know about you. But it isn't knowing about him that matters. Do you know him? Is he a friend above all friends? The cross requires us to come to reality and say that the world does have a lot of pain and suffering. It is a very real thing that Christ has come to bear. And we also have to recognize that we're on the wrong side of the cross, that we are guilty of it. If I were judged, I deserved it. It was the cross that changes and gives me opportunity to know grace instead of judgment because Christ has borne the penalty of that judgment. It is the cross that says I've got to accept responsibility for my stuff, for my wrongdoing, and quit uh, deferring and blaming and being angry and even angry at God. And I've got to say, well, I probably deserve everything I get and probably don't get as much as I should. And yet on the other side of the cross, there's grace. There's so much grace and so much forgiveness, so much restoration. If I would just come and be honest about it and stop fighting it anymore, I will find this wisdom, this understanding that passes all understanding. And I want you to know, and this amazes me because I'm a theologian and a philosopher and a part-time psychologist. And, and as I have studied uh, what people come up and call with wisdom, here's the amazing thing I discovered. The cross of Christ 
is a revelation that no human mind could ever come up with. And even though I explain it to people again and again, most human minds go, huh? I don't get it. And I'm just laying it out before you now, and you've heard it a hundred times, but there are so many people who still, it's so beyond human thought. How can we grasp the things of God, the grace of Christ, and what happened on that cross? How can we even begin to understand it? And yet it is reality. You will never fully understand it till you know him. And you won't know him until you do the one thing you do know. Admit that you've messed up and that you need him. And if you'll be honest with you, that's the beginning to understanding what Christ did in the cross. What he'll do for you now as Savior and Lord. As putting him on the throne of your heart and letting him be Savior. So many of us are caught up in the stronghold of religion that we don't understand that. Because religion is about earning. It's about works. It's about being good enough rather than allowing God to take your chunk and make it beautiful again. I don't know how he does it. I just know he does. But religion says, no, wait till you're ready. You're not ready until you solve all your stuff and you get everything in order. But I'm going to tell you uh, from a guy who's tried that, you can't do it. You'll never get your stuff in order. You'll never be good enough to come before God. You need to come when you're not good enough to come before God and just be honest with him. Let him do the rest of the work, the work you could never do on your own. You'll never be clever enough. You'll never be wise enough. You just need to surrender it and give up that control. If we could do that, everything would change. How do I know? Because that's what I've known. How do I know it would happen to you? Because millions over the face of the earth have experienced this very same thing. Giving up religion, giving up science as your delivery, giving up your philosophies and everything else, and forget all that and realize it's about a connection. It's about a relationship. When Jesus becomes Lord and Savior and a brother that is closer to you than anyone you've ever known. And he will do that. He will be with you. Do you want that? Have you wandered from it? And do you want to get back to it? You can have that today. Would you bow your heads with me? In this moment as Christ is speaking to us. It is a sacred moment in which the Holy Spirit is speaking to our hearts. And in this moment, he is challenging you just to be honest with him. Lay it before him. All your doubts and fears, your anxieties, your pains, your blaming, your accusing, even of God and of others. And just confess it. Don't justify it. Just lay it before him and say, Lord, it's all yours. It's been a heavy burden to carry all these things, Lord, and I just, I'm going to give it all up. I'm going to give it all to you. I'm going to ask you to nail it all to the cross because it's killing me. And let the Lord have it. And then ask for forgiveness. And Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for trying to do things without you. Trying to do it on our own and be independent and show people how good we are, Lord, because we're not. Lord, I'd rather be known as one who relies on you for all things, who has no original thoughts, but only that which you put into my heart and mind will I trust. Lord, I have no skill or effort or power to do anything except that which you would do through me 
which you are free to do whatever you want. Almighty God, be mighty in me. Oh, deliver, be with me in the furnace and take me through. Oh, Savior of all mankind, I pray, Lord, you would save little old me and take me through this painful world into the glory of knowing you. For, Lord, I could bear it all if you would be with me. Jesus has promised if you have prayed that prayer to be with you right now and to go with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you, no matter to the ends of the earth, until he comes again in glory. Lord Jesus, we look forward to your coming and for the light of your arrival. We will declare the cross and your death and your resurrection until your return. And when you come, Lord, I pray that you would find us faithful, bearing our own crosses and falling close right behind. And we will rejoice, Lord, and you will say, well done, my good and faithful servants. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. God bless you all. You'll find a warm, relaxed atmosphere at MCC. We love worship and music here. It is our desire to direct people to the Lord Jesus Christ, the source of all life, hope, and true transformation. Our Sunday service starts at 10.30 a.m. and runs till noonish. Coffee and snacks are served. Children's church and child care are available.